2021 was my first real year, like kind of, you know, kicking it up and doing a lot of sales. So um, from I think from 2020, I, I want to say I did right around a mil. And then I was able to turn that into about 10 and a half in 2022 while, you know, being able to do the same amount of rentals. So um, that's my business. It's always been rentals and turning that into uh, future buyers and whatnot. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Buchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time and when they reached out to me I said yes we have to be able to do this deal so that sponsor is follow-up Bob you know on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was and he said it was follow-up boss and then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why follow-up boss was the best CRM he uses so there's a lot of superstars out out there that use follow-up boss some of the stats they gave me robert slack 1.5 billion team in florida number one in the u.s he uses follow-up boss to get a 400 percent roi on its massive paid lead spend deborah beagle co-owner of the ashton group in nashville uses follow-up boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days that's a big guarantee for new agents Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses follow-up boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used follow-up boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. And what do, what do you know, best name ever, follow-up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. Real Estate Rockstars, welcome. This is Elliot Hoyt, and I have had the privilege of appearing on three uh, different episodes on this podcast, but today I have the very distinct privilege of hosting this episode. And today I am interviewing Quentin Green of the Downtown Realty Group, sorry, Downtown Realty Company, hailing from the windy city of Chicago, Illinois. Quentin, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Uh, and Quentin, you are a fellow 30 under 30 recipient you just won that award last month is that correct yep yep new uh new honoree this year congratulations man that's a it's, it's a big big achievement welcome to the uh welcome to the club i guess man that's that's huge i'm assuming you've had a lot of people reaching out to you and hitting you up and kind of asking you about that since that that came to fruition yeah it's definitely it's definitely a little weird 
you know, thought thought maybe I would have to put my name in the hat again next year or the year after that. But yeah, I was super excited to be able to get it on my first try. So that was your first try, yeah? Yeah, that was my first go at it. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a very prestigious award. And I know that there's been several people that have applied, you know, three or four times even to get it. So congrats on that. I was actually a first time recipient. Oh, there you too. Go. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big one, man. It's a big one. So so tell me a little bit about what you do. Just tell, tell me, uh, what do you do? What's, yeah, what's your job? Yeah, so I'd say I'm probably a little bit less conventional than most agents who come on, you know, on this podcast. But so my first, so I've been in the business since 2016. Uh, only thing I've been doing from college, been at the same firm, same job pretty much. But I started off just doing purely like luxury rentals downtown. I, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, who are agents throughout the country, they don't really have that same like rental market that we have in Chicago or New York or whatever. So I just did that for four or five years. And 20, uh, 2021 was my first real year, like kind of, you know, kicking it up and doing a lot of sales. So um, from I think from 2020, I, I want to say I did right around a mil. And then I was able to turn that into about 10 and a half in 2022, while, you know, being able to do the same amount of rentals. So um, that's my business. It's always been rentals and turning that into uh, future buyers and whatnot. So you're really, this is your first complete year on the sales side. Is that correct? I mean, for I've always had my license, but it's, you know, it's my first deal really doing sales. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just getting started on, on that side of things. So what, what spurred you to move from the rental space to the buying space? Um, I, I guess I'll reverse a little bit here. Most people that, that listen to this podcast and most agents, I think in most markets are more on the sales side than the rental side. Um, I guess what's different from the rental versus the sales side now that you've seen both kind of sides of the spectrum? Uh, honestly, I don't think there's, there's a lot, a lot of people think it's way more different than it is. I don't really think it's that different. The only reason why I started doing rentals, because, you know, when I first got in the business, I was either going to join a top producing team and learn the business that way, or I was going to start with rentals, build my book. You know, I knew I wanted to be in the business for a long term. Um, but I was 21, so I didn't have many people, you know, who were buying. I didn't really have that established network. I was from the city, thankfully. So, you know, I had that presence, but, um, you know, I, I would do one or two sales a year. And, you know, by getting into sales, it really was just, you know, my network maturing, uh, me getting a little more experience in my belt and a lot of things kind of coming in line. But yeah, for me, that's, that's the only reason why I really got into it was just, it was pretty much my age and lack of experience. So let's hone into that a little bit. You were talking about there how um, you decided that you, you know, push more towards the sales side as your own sphere kind of came to age. And, and I'm assuming they'd be in a better position to, to purchase and sell their own real estate. Uh, does that mean that you run more of a relation-based business? Do you run, is it more leads, is it more your sphere? How does that look for you? Um, now, well, now that I've, you know, that I had a good year, I've been allocating more money into various like lead generation platforms. So, you know, I, I'm a Zillow premier agent, um, you know, but that's maybe 5% of my business. It's not much, but yeah, previously, you know, I've always been sphere of influence, um, and then turning a lot of rentals into buyers. So, you know, this is the first year where I've really had a lot of those people that I, you know, put into the high rises, uh, my first five years I've had, you know, maybe five to 10, um, in 2021 and 2022 come in, uh, come and buy through me. So yeah, it's really been leaning a lot on my sphere. That's pretty much right. What I primarily focus on. Um, and you know, like I have that established network given, you know, I've, Pretty much been in Chicago my whole life, so nice, nice. So, so yeah. So you're you're. I'm assuming because you're you're part of the downtown realty company, you're right downtown Chicago. Then, yeah, yeah. We're like right in the uh, in the gallery district in River North. So, um, yeah, it's like right between Old Town River North. It's a yeah, it's a great area. Tons of foot traffic, and yeah, we're right down there. Okay, that's awesome. So you you've probably seen. 
a myriad of different kind of properties or do you do you really deal with with, with condos more than you deal with single family or, or what the what are the what does the real estate that you actually you know sell look like normally yeah so a lot of what i do a majority of it's either condos or multifamily totally like different sides of things you know i've done some single family homes here and there but i've really only transacted maybe one or two single family homes um the i got into multifamily mainly because uh, you know, like I said, we're a highly rental driven company. So we have a lot of landlords who are reaching out to us to lease out their properties. And especially, you know, when COVID hit for us, um, you know, our city had a harder time than most. So we had a ton of landlords reaching out to us, whether they were doing Airbnb, you know, short-term rentals, um, or, you know, it just became a way more difficult market. So where they previously would run out units themselves, they needed some sort of guidance in order to, you know, kind of figure out this new market. So, we were getting a ton of calls. I was feeling calls almost every day from various Chicago landlords. And through that, um, I was able to, you know, kind of meet a lot of these, um, you know, long-term holders or people who are kind of looking to break further into the multifamily space. Um, and really just from answering the phone, being able to help these, le- these guys lease out their units in a short period of time when COVID hit, you know, they came around and they either decided to sell buildings through me or purchase more buildings for me and expand their portfolio. Um, so, so there's that side and then, you know, friends, family, you name it, whatever, like we definitely, um, you know, we're a standard brokerage. So it's, it's a lot of, lot of condos as well. Uh, but it's, it's pretty much those two. So that's awesome. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. So, so COVID I'm guessing for you, from what you're saying is, is helped you like it has a lot of business out there. COVID basically gave you a chance to, to go out and get more clients just by virtue of the fact you meet people that own properties. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, I dedicate a lot of my time and energy, you know, that I, that I've spent this year and will continue to do so is, is really um, creating more relationships with a lot of those multifamily owners. And, and really just, you know, I mean, these guys, they get so many calls every day from a lot of these middle market brokers who are, you know, looking to get in there and, you know, they, obviously anyone can sell their building right now in Chicago and they'll do incredibly well, but they're getting tons of those calls. So, you know, what I've been kind of focusing on is really just reaching out to them and be like, Hey, we could lease this thing up. We start a relationship with you. Fantastic. You know, buy, sell through me as well, but here's the immediate service we can provide you guys. And, and, you know, that's been successful for me in the past couple of years. Okay, great, great. So yeah, the, uh, me and my team here in, I'm, I'm based in Boise, Idaho. Um, obviously everyone can tell I'm not from Boise. I was born and raised in England, yeah. uh, but I'm out here in Boise, Idaho. And I always talk to my team members uh, about bringing value, right? Value tends to be the, the main proposition um, for, for kind of long-term success. Uh, what do you think the value you've been giving these these multifamily uh, property owners? What's been the value proposition up front you give them that's allowed them to build that trust? Where they've now come around and said, "Okay, let me you know help me buy and sell coins in what I'm doing." Um, here, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, so so I would say ninety percent of the time, um, a lot of these, a lot of them are family run shops, so they don't have sophisticated marketing at all. They're not putting things on their multiple listing service. They're really throwing it on Zillow or apartments.com. You know, their pictures aren't great. And, you know, they're putting it way below market, hoping that, you know, they'll, they'll fill them up. And that's how they've always done things. And, that, you know, that's fine. You know, I, they, they bought the, a lot of these properties a long, long time ago. So they are sitting on a ton of equity if, you know, and most of them don't even have loans out on it. You know, where I come in is, you know, I'm able to kind of recreate all that. I mean, it'll drive their rents, you know, 20 to 25% more typically um, than what they're previously getting. And, you know, it also... I also handle all their leasing too, which is really helpful for them. So, you know, I don't manage, it's not something I'm looking to get into, but what I will do is I'll, you know, take over their leasing. So when they have renewals, I'll be able to send that out. I have a team that is able to at least handle that side. And that's kind of just free of charge for me, you know, because we're, we're so leasing driven. It's really not much time out of ourselves because that's just such a good system. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we're able to raise the rents big time. Uh, we're able to get units leased faster and then we're able to take that whole leasing process and completely take it off of their shoulders. So, so time is really the biggest thing it looks like, right? I mean, other than marketing expertise, it looks like you're saving these guys time because they don't have to worry yeah. about the stuff that you've got a system that's owned in for. Time. And then also, I mean, you look at and then the change in the rent roll, right? So someone is going to be way more likely to sell their property if you're able to boost their rent roll dramatically versus someone looking at a building, analyze it from a pro forma standpoint, right? Because I mean, it's going to take a year, two years in order to get those rents if you take it over as is with lower rent. So, I mean, it puts them also in a much stronger position to go to market if they ever want to. And, you know, it, it I've had a lot of a lot of people have just not really realized the true value of, of their properties and you come in and you, you're able to raise these rents and uh, it gives them a better idea. So are they seeing this? I mean, this is awesome stuff. So you're going in there, you're, you're basically making their property worth more money just by virtue of the fact that it's renting for more. Obviously the cap rate's going to end up being um, you know, higher or you have more room on the cap rate to mess around with that. So so are they seeing that the, the change you're making, bringing the rents up is worth more money? And Is that kind of opening their eyes to the possibilities of what they can do on the next play? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's so it's never like this is something I've been focusing on more in the past two years. It's never actually translated into a direct sell. Um, but I'm working with two guys right now where that's likely going to happen. But, you know, buyers, there's a lot of buyers out there. So they know the value of these properties. It really helps these properties sell faster more than anything else. You maybe wouldn't even have put on the market. You could sell it privately for the price that you're going to ask for. Um, because anyone can go and do a pro forma and, you know, that's, that's nice. But yeah, I mean, if someone sees that it's already there, the rents are already there, they'll be way more likely to just pay ask and, and close on it faster. So, so you're going to get to a kind of a new stage here. You kind of, it's almost coming full circle, right? You're going from making the initial introduction, getting it rented, getting it up in value. Now you're coming to list it. Uh, how is the inventory in Chicago right now? So when I'm talking, you know, when you're talking to these multifamily owners and they're saying, hey, Quentin, I want to sell it. Yep, I want to move up. Some of them might want to cash out, but more than likely if they've had it for a long time, they're thinking, okay, let's move up, keep making this play, have more real estate. What is the inventory like? Is it going to be possible for them to do those kind of 1031 exchanges or are you facing a, an inventory choke like a lot of the country is right now? Yeah, I've actually, I've had people do 1031s through me buying in, in Chicago, but they were selling from another state. But like, generally speaking, we, we, we kind of have two main markets in Chicago. You have the downtown high rises. So, you know, you're talking, and you, you could split up the downtown high rise markets too, based on like high assessment buildings, low assessment buildings. Um, but generally speaking, like we had the most inventory ever on the market at the peak of COVID. Then like we, we had more inventory in the high rises than we saw in 2008. So we had like 13, 14 months of inventory in like the heart of River North, the Loop and the South Loop. Like it was it was really, really hard to sell anything. So we're finally starting to see that market stabilize. There's more people buying condos, which is fantastic. Um, you know, certainly some people are still losing money on a lot of their condos, but that is more of a normal market. Now, when you get into the broader neighborhoods, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with Chicago, but you, you get into like the Lincoln Parks, the West Towns, the Lake Views. It is just totally insane. Anything from, you know, two bed, two baths, four hundred thousand to, you know, you know, once you're starting to get into the jumbo territory, it's multiple offers. People paying, you know, five to ten percent over, like what you're seeing in in most markets, I would say. So that's where, you know, we're similar to everywhere else, but in the downtown market, it's still very much a normal market and there's is good buying opportunity. So it's kind of split up like that. So you really have micro markets then. It's not just a case of it being that across that you have to have a different game plan for different buyers and sellers, depending on the geographical location within a few miles, I'm assuming even. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's really like the high rise market, 
Um, and then sort of like the neighborhoods really, even, even if you're downtown though, and it's, it's a smaller mid-rise building, you know, and it, it, for some reason that's a lot of that stuff is, is just moving a lot better. It's, it's the high rises that just haven't totally bounced back yet. Okay, perfect. So we're getting to know, know a little bit about the business side here. I want to dig in now, now that we're kind of comfortable with each other and we're kind of figuring out you know, where each other's at. I want to know what, why, why real estate? Why did you get into this? What was the motivating factor? Was it an accident? Was it completely deliberate or did it just, you know, what, what was the motivation? Uh, so yeah, my, my dad and mom, they actually own, they co-owned their own firm here for, uh, like 20 years, I want to say. Um, so yeah, that was all I knew growing up, you know, they would drag me to open houses instead of like paying for a babysitter. And then, you know, as I got older, I'd be, you know, you know, smacking two by fours and, you know, doing hard labor at, you know, their the various properties throughout Chicago. So it's always been a part of me, you know, my grandfather, he was a realtor too. Um, you know, but one, once I graduated college, like I didn't really think about getting into real estate, but, you know, I was, um, I was interviewing at, at jobs, you know, a lot of it was like finance banking and, um, I, I did, I decided to not go that route. Uh, and I, I just, I graduated and I just didn't really have a plan. My mom was like, why don't you just get your license? You know, there's this company that's, uh, a little bit newer, but they specifically focus on leasing. And so, you know, I interviewed a lot of, uh, top producers and I interviewed a few companies and I thought it just made sense to get into leasing. And, you know, I didn't think I would stick around that long. I had planned on going to law school. Um, and then about a year in, it kind of just made sense. And I started to kind of see the potential here. Um, so that's, you know, what got me into it. And, you know, also part of the reason why I stuck around, because for me, it was a huge grind my first three or four years. Uh, but like seeing my parents, you know, have success and sort of like having that in with the industry through their friends and that network. Um, you know, I knew it was just kind of a career that is really tough to find in any other career unless you start your own company. So, you know, to me, that's what kept me in the business. That's the, I think there's a similar story for a lot of people there, kind of yeah. how you either, it seems too extreme, right? You're either, I would say born into it, but you're born around it enough to get gravitated into it, or you come completely from the other side and have no idea at all. Uh, it seems like yeah. you and I actually are on both ends of the spectrum, but we both ended up in, in this kind of 30 under 30 bracket, which is kind of cool. So, so that, that's awesome. So you said, you said your grandparents, your grandfather was, was an agent or is an agent. Yeah. So he was, so he, he actually came from the contracting background. He uh, immigrated from Ireland and he, uh, yeah, so he had his own contracting firm. He did a lot of cement work and everything like that. And so he actually, he's 94. He's still transactional estate. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. He like every time I go to his house, he goes now he goes to Florida in the, in the summer and he, you know, he comes back to Indiana in the uh in in the summer, but he's got he's basically it's just kind of his last hurrah. He's he's got a bunch of lots that he's trying to slowly, you know, parcel together and then sell them all as a whole. So he's really just it's kind of just his last, you know, ditch effort to get these things together and then, you know, sell them off. But yeah, he's he's still very much like transacting real estate. It's pretty wild. That's, that's great. It's always good to hear. Yeah. That's what kind of keeps them going once they get to that kind of age. It, it, it keeps them dry, driven and, and, and such. So has he, do you ever talk to him much, Quentin, about, about the business? Do you guys ever, you know, chat shop and figure out, you know, strategy and he's ever been playing anything on you or are you guys in such different worlds that it, it doesn't make sense? I mean, how does that look? Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely don't have like broke, we don't have brokerage conversations, but we talk about real estate as a whole in terms of like kind of what's going on in the market, because he was always like, he was more a developer, like contractor who had his license. So he just did it sort of out of like not having to, you know, work with an agent who would just handle that stuff himself. So he was never a real estate broker first and foremost, but yeah, I mean, we have conversations about, you know, all sorts of that stuff. He's, 
uh, he's, you know, also he owns a bunch of land and that he's done, you know, well on along Lake Michigan and stuff like that. So yeah, we talk about real estate all the time, just not, not as much about the brokerage side of things. So, so being from a family background where you had, you know, good influence growing up and, and obviously to this day even too, what's the biggest thing you say that you think you probably have, you know, gleaned from your family, whether it's your grandfather, your parents, what's the biggest thing that you've learned from them that you've applied that's helped you to get to the point where you got to right now? I mean, I would, I would say for my parents, just kind of seeing the opportunities that provided with them. Um, had I not had that, I totally would have gotten out of the business my first, you know, three, three years probably. Um, because it's, it's really daunting when, you know, for me, at least like I was pretty stagnant, you know, going from year two to year four. And, you know, I was, I was, you can only do, you can only rent so many, you know, rental, you know, rental units. And I, I guess, yeah, I mean, really seeing able, seeing them turn their career into what it was, um, over time and just really knowing that, you know, it's just, it just takes a lot of time to succeed in this business and you just have to see it out to me was the biggest thing from that, because I think had I not had that guidance and really had, you know, been able to call my dad every once in a while or my mom, you know, when, when I was thinking about stepping out and them convincing me to, you know, stay in the business was probably the biggest thing for me. That's awesome. I spoke to, to Aaron about this in the last episode that, that I was on with Aaron. And uh, the biggest thing that I gleaned too, funnily enough, had to learn it a little bit the hard way was definitely the patient side of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those things because we, we live in this world where we see instant gratification every day right we got instagram we got tiktok nowadays there i say yeah. it, where everyone sees the kind of success and everyone sees you know shows like selling sunset uh, uh, which is great it definitely gives an insight to an extent of how we run our businesses but for every for every great tv personality there is selling real estate and making millions there are literally what tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people on the other side of the spectrum trying to break it through so i always love to to sit down and talk to to people like yourself that kind of have been through those hard times because i know there's someone listening right now um who's probably going through on those hard times uh trying to figure out how they're going to grow their business or how they can even survive yeah. if they're anything like i was in my my first year um i didn't sell anything for the first eight months which was kind of tough when you have a yeah <laughs> when, you, when you when you don't know what you're going to do so what what on that note what do you think was has been the hardest challenge or was there a time where you were really questioning things was there a time where you're like i don't know if this is for me or not and if so how did you kind of get through that patch yeah i mean the hardest thing for me was was definitely just waiting around for the sales to kind of come to fruition um you know like for example like today i got a call from someone i spoke with three or four years ago that I, I really don't remember. Now they're, you know, they're looking to sell, but like at that time when I was starting off, I didn't, you don't realize the exponential nature of this business. Like what you do today might pay off in five years, 10 years, you really never know. Um, and so just kind of understanding that was, was really helpful for me. Um, something that was really difficult though, was uh, kind of having the confidence to be able to compete with a lot of these, you know, other top agents. Um, now, you know, now I feel a little bit better and, you know, I, you know, I spend so much time digging into the market in every in every which way. Where uh, even though I still don't have the same experience as some of these hundred million dollar top producers, like you know, I, I feel like I can provide just as good of a service and be able to offer just as much insight. And that is really something that again just came with time. So a lot of this stuff for me is is just the time of sticking into the business and and sort of finding my confidence. To me, was uh, was one of the biggest challenges, but also uh, one of the you know the brightest paths for me. Absolutely. So. So correct me if I'm wrong, you said 10 million was your first year or what you call full-time sales, right? Or thereabouts, that was your, what you did. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I would have loved right? to do full-time sales the other years. It's just the sales yeah. just weren't there, you know, so. 
So are you are you going to be focusing? Uh, I don't want to say it wholly on set on the sales side, but are, are, would you say that's going to be your focus moving forward, like for the next next year, basically for this twenty twenty two period? Has that been your main focus to this point? Yeah, primarily. Um, you know, I still do. I, I don't deal with as many like tenant reps. So like, but I, I do have new agents on my team, and I like to give them those a lot of those leads. So stuff that I normally otherwise would have taken, I'll, I'll now give to them because I still do strongly believe in um, starting off with rentals in order to drive your future business. So, so I'll do that. And, and, you know, I've been able to shift a lot of that to my team because I just am more, a lot more busy with sales and, um, you know, various other, like we, we work with a lot of like developers and investors on, you know, 50 to hundred unit buildings. So like my team will handle the leasing side of that as well. And so I'll mainly be the point, but I'll be able to kind of assign people into, you know, which, which role that is. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break with one of our newest sponsors. I'm super excited to be partnering with these guys. Does 15 to 20% ROI investing in turnkey rentals sound attractive? Did you know you can use the Burr strategy with new construction that has immediate equity already? You guys have heard me talk about stuff like this. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence out of state. They have single family, multifamily, new build and syndication opportunities across multiple markets that maximize cash flow, appreciation and equity. Rent to Retirement assists investors in learning how to build a comprehensive business plan with the best investment and tax strategies to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and system in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or call 1-800-311-6781. That's 800-311-6781 to learn about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. You know, and if you guys want to learn more about Zach, episode 1025, we dig in for a good 45 minute interview where he tells you the secrets to investing in real estate out of state. And him and I shared a lot of ideas about what works and what doesn't. You'll get to hear a lot about his company and his business. You know, if you're an agent from out of state and you've got referrals looking for stuff, they work with other agents on a referral basis. And we've talked so much since COVID hit that everybody needs to have a backup plan, right? Every one of you agents needs to have a backup plan. You should all be investing in real estate. And if you're having trouble finding the time and the team to do it, maybe something like rent to retirement is the solution for you. So thank you for listening. Go check them out. Now back to the rest of our podcast. So let's talk about your team a little bit. Um, how is that structured? Where, what's your role and, and, and how, does, how does that look? Uh, I'd say it's probably the least structured team you'll ever, <laughs> ever find, you know? It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty different. Um, you know, I have one agent who has both her sales license and her, uh, and, and does a lot of rentals. And then I have one agent who's, who's new, who just does rentals. So the way I kind of handle it, like I, I'm still able to handle all of my sales. It's not a problem. You know, I don't have a transaction coordinator or an assistant or anything like that. I'm, I'm really able to kind of manage everything. Um, but with them, I kind of like, cause you know, I have a few buildings across the city that we do leasing. I really set them up based on area and kind of what makes sense. You know, we all see each other's calendars. We're all on each other's calendar invites. So um, from, from that side, it, it really makes things easier. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they kind of do their own things. Right. And then I'm able to also provide them with those additional leads uh, in order to kind of keep their business growing and, and keep them in the game. 
that, that's your value add there. You kind of delegate, you're yeah. killing two birds with one stone almost. You're delegating some stuff off to keep things off of your plate, but it's also bringing them value because it's bringing them opportunities they would have had before. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, I really am only in a position to hire people who want to get started in leasing because unfortunately, like I don't have the sales leads in order to, you know, keep a lot of other sales agents busy. So, you know, I'm always looking for people who, you know, either, you know, if they have their license, fantastic, great, you know, but they also have to have the need for leasing and want to start off with that. Um, because if, you know, if sales agents comes in, I'm, I'm unfortunately like, I'm going to be giving you a lot of rental leads. So it seems almost like you're kind of bringing them the, through the way that you came through, right? I mean, you started yeah. just with the rentals. So there must be some, some pretty good value out there just because you can actually stand behind it and say, Hey, I know that this isn't you know, necessarily where you want to be long-term. You want to be towards the sales size, but right. I've been there and done it and got to this point. So you're kind of proof in the pudding that, Hey, if you follow the system it's going to work out eventually. A hundred percent. And you know, that's all I know really um, is kind of just that system. I do, you know, a few years down the line, sure. I'll be able to hire, you know, full-time sales agents, but um, just with, with the way my career is right now, it, it just, it, it wouldn't be the case. Um, and, and it works, you know, like it's, I have one guy who he just started uh, at the, end of uh 2021 and i mean he's doing 10 to 15 rentals a month you know it's, it's great how does that compare to the sales side financially um this is it's one of those things that you know people we, we have to talk about it's, it's a money side of things if you're doing 10 to 15 um rentals a month how does that compare to like one of your average like medium price sales there in the area you're at? is it the same workload if you're, doing, if you're doing 10 to 15 rentals a month um you know let's say like the medium price is like It'll be anywhere from two to twenty five hundred, probably in Chicago, probably closer to twenty five hundred. Um, so, I mean, you do the math there. You're looking at anywhere from one twenty five to one fifty a year just from doing that. When you and when you when you split with your brokerage, that's your full take home. Would be something like that, or at least at our company. Um, so, I mean, you yeah, you you can make well into six figures just doing leasing, and we have a lot of people at our company who actually do that. Yeah, I I, I this is a, a new world to me on the leasing side. Uh, yeah, Boise's uh, Boise's a, a bigger city, but it's nowhere near the size of Chicago. So this is right. you're edu- you're educating me a lot today. So yeah, you can. It seems like you can make a pretty good living that way. Um, you do, you don't have to necessarily even get into the sales, depending on how driven you are. But it looks, of it, I mean, that's yeah. a. I'm guessing 150 a year in Chicago is at least a, a reasonable living. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you'll be in a really really nice like one bed condo with you know all the amenities. It's it's a 150 a year is great for for a city like Chicago. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. That's that's good stuff. That's yeah. Like I said, you're, you're educating me for sure. That we, we don't really deal with much leasing yeah. on this side at all. It's it's only on the commercial side we deal with it really here at Boise. Right. We don't really dabble in the commercial stuff a lot, but they tend to be bigger bigger checks because you're talking about you know multi million dollar leases over a long yeah. period of time versus the residential side, which is completely different. You're talking. I'm guessing your average term is. 12 to 24 months or is it shorter sometimes? Yeah, 12 to 24 typically. Um, and then what we have here is, so we have like two rental markets, essentially. We have everything on the MLS, which are going to be condo rental building rentals. Um, so, you know, you're working with another agent on that. And then you have, you know, the actual rental buildings that are professionally managed. Um, and those are not going to be on the MLS and they have pretty much independent relationships with various brokerages across the city. And the good thing about that is you're not working with another agent. So you're basically taking way more commission. Um, and that commission in a market like Chicago, right now it's really low because like we're just having, there's so much demand. So they're able to pay brokers a little bit less, fine, but you make it up in volume. But at the height of COVID, when you know you had vacancy drop like a needle, uh, or sorry, vacancy went up 
quite a bit. You know, we had, it was like a lot of these buildings were 15% vacant. You know, you'd see 200% commissions out there. So that's 200% of one month's rent. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. so they, they're giving away basically the first two months just to get someone in there and get the, get and the on rent top of that, they're also offering two months free to the tenant side as well. Oh, so they're, I mean, they're that's not, how <laughs> bad it was here. It was unbelievable. So they weren't even making money until month five, basically. They weren't even making money. They weren't actually even putting cash flow into the bank until month five. Get these people in, break even on our loan, and figure it out later. Just get these people occupied. Yeah. That's, if, if that's what it takes to get it done, then I guess we can't complain if you're on the other side getting 200% yeah. of that rent. So, right. And yeah. that's why it's such a crazy market now is because so many people got into these insane COVID deals where, you know, they're paying anywhere from 25 to 35% below, you know, what is now the new market rent. And then now their rents are closer to 40% more because it's increasing based on the market when you take out the concessions. And so it's just driving a lot of these people out of these units and, you know, both on the buy side and then also on the rent side, like we're just seeing uh, crazy appreciation. So that's, that's really interesting. So, so they've, you know, landlords have gone into this, you know, during the COVID or when things first hit and, and they were under, you know, by today's standard under renting and they was under, undervalued. Uh, so it, is that having an effect where it's kicking people out of the city that can no longer afford to be there because rents have risen that much? Are you seeing that at all from a, from a renter's perspective? Yeah, you're absolutely seeing that. Um, you're, you're seeing people look into other neighborhoods they wouldn't previously be looking at. No doubt about it. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, it's, 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 I never looked at it from the rental side, only from the buying side. We talk about really from the buying side displacement as far as people needing to move from you know, city to city, from state to state. Uh, but yeah, the rental the rentals market seems to be hit just the same with that kind of pickup. So, so you're you're slicing and dicing here. You're, you're dealing with the rental side. You're dealing with the with the buying and the selling side too now more on the on the kind of the resale and sales. How this is the million dollar question for most people, especially for for anyone that's trying to glean a little bit of okay, how do I actually do this job? Because I know there's a lot of, you know probably first time or newer agents listening. How do you get your business, Granted, How do you how do you come about it. I know you said that you do a little bit of the Zillow stuff, um, but let's talk about the more organic things. How do you conjure that up? How do you identify when someone's ready? How do you put yourself even in the position to be around them to have this conversation about real estate? So I, I'm trying, I want to think of like tangible things uh, that, that I could, you know, give someone to help them out. One, one thing, if you're new in the business, the first thing you should do is like work on putting a list together of like all the people you've ever interacted with. Just get it on Excel sheet. It took me way long to do that. It took me like three years. Um, and so get that list together, have it there constantly, you know, once a month, keep adding to it. And then just start doing a newsletter because not only like you should all, always be like following up with clients, checking in maybe once a quarter, whatever you feel comfortable with, just to kind of gauge them. Um, and then, you know, you know, the level of touch you're going to give them will be tiered up based on, I guess, how close you are to, to them. That's, you know, one way I look at it, but also have this like newsletter to accompany it um, where it could be any, you know, it could be cool. Like in break, like what I do is I break it down by neighborhood, which is cool. If I know someone's in a certain area, it'll be like specific information to that person. And that's actually been able to take the burden of doing a lot of these, you know, quarterly touches away from me. Cause I'll get so many emails whenever it gets sent out once a month and be like, Oh my God, like this is awesome. Or, you know, whatever, like, Hey, I got a friend who's looking for a place. So it's another way to touch people and, and, and keep them like at the top of mind. Um, so to me, that that's something I should have done a lot sooner that I do now. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you got to get out there, you know, a lot of people like have some hobbies, you know, put yourself out there as often as you can. Like the amount of business you'll find just from talking to people, I think is so important, you know, and, um, 
So, so yeah, do that. And, and also like for me, I was always, I was such a nervous realtor my first two years. Like I, a lot of my buddies were, they, like I said, they're bankers, consultants, they're in law school. And like, as you know, someone who my friends jokingly call me professional door opener, I was pretty self-conscious. Right. And so like, I wouldn't feel that comfortable like telling someone like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a realtor. And like, I can help you with like anything whatsoever. And over the years I've, I've had that confidence, but it took me a little while. So like find a way to, you know, get that confidence and, and like be that person, like, you know, definitely just like make sure everyone knows you're a realtor, like do it in a subtle way, of course, but um, you know, make sure, make sure people don't be that undercover agent, I guess. There's some good stuff there. I think to uncover for sure. And I definitely agree with you on, on a lot of those points. Um, I think too many times, especially in the market we've been seeing, uh, there's probably more agents than there's been at any point in history in our market. People are afraid to say they're a realtor because of the competition, but that, that's a great point. That confidence is huge. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you, but for me personally, I consume as much about my profession as possible, whether it's market information, whether it's transactional things, you know, contract things are ways that we can put things together to make it easier for buyers or the marketing side, right? Like, or what can we learn about the new, the newest, latest marketing kind of thing that's going to give us a little bit more of an edge. Uh, definitely yeah. builds towards our confidence um, for sure. That's, that's a, that's a huge point. Uh, and you talked a little bit there about um, just from generating business perspective too, um, kind of having hobbies and stuff. Um, what, what do you, what's kind of your main hobby? What do you do outside of real estate that has you rubbing shoulders with people that you think may actually end up if they haven't already using you one day on the, on the real estate side, what's your kind of thing that you do in your spare time? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of like a retired athlete, so I still play soccer quite a bit. Um, so I've actually gotten a lot of business from that, you know, I'll play two, three times a week uh throughout various leagues or you know like we have like meet up where you'll do pick up with with some guys so a lot of that um I, that's gotten me some business um you know me and my girlfriend are like part of a wine club you know which has been good but everyone's pretty much a realtor uh yeah because they're all the same idea like, right <laughs> yeah right that's been like whatever uh but you know i'm i'm also you know a little fortunate in that like i grew up in this city um you know i went to a midwest school so a lot of my college network ends up living in Chicago. Um, you know, my girlfriend went to a big 10 school. Um, you know, she went to law school here. And so like, I definitely had that established network, you know, but I, I you know, I, I go out, you know, a good amount, you know, I'm not staying out till, you know, I'm not a weekend warrior like I used to be, but I, I, I really like try to spend a lot of time like engaging and going out because to me, like, you're not really off the clock, you know, like you, a lot of the, you know, you gotta be really social. You gotta put yourself out there and, um, and so for me, yeah, that's, I mean, that's there's no secret to it. You know, it's a couple hobbies here and there. And then, uh, you know, just spending a lot of time, you know, getting out and about the city. That's a great point. I mean, I'd, I'd love to sit here and uh, ask you the, the traditional question, what's the magic pill? But there really isn't one, is there? I mean, it's just, huh. it's a case of finding, finding things that you enjoy that you can basically put yourself in a position to talk to people. So, so yeah, that's, that's some of the ways I did it too myself. And I still yeah. to this day do it. It's just a case of getting out there, being stuck in the office is not going to get you deals. You know, there's right. not you, that, that door behind you. There's not a chance someone's just going to walk through and say, Hey, I need to list this $10 million house or I need to buy a $10 million house, whatever that Absolutely. Is. Yeah, and another thing you were saying was, you know, like you're trying to fill your brain with as much information as possible. Like I I'm totally with you, man. Like I, I listened to the, the amount of podcasts like I listen to every day, like I listen to four to six hours. A lot of it's like finance stuff or whatever. But like, you know, I found my niche with a lot of like bankers in this city, like who work at, you know, William Blair or UBS or you whatever. And like, I'm able to have pretty in-depth conversations with them 
And, uh, you know, it's definitely not something that like your average real estate broker would be able to talk about. And so that's like kind of cool, but like just, you know, stuff your brain with as much information as possible. We deal with such diverse clientele and you'll just be able to find different ways to strike conversations um, and kind of, you know, leave people with, with, with a lot more. And so, you know, or like, you know, be a sports fan, you know, everyone likes talking about sports, right? So, you know, there's just so much you can do to kind of, uh, I don't know, educate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a massive one, especially out in America. It doesn't matter whether you're an athlete or not. Most people at least have some kind of sport they're into. Uh, that, yeah. That's a huge point. So I used to play football at Boise State and I, okay. I don't, I don't think I leveraged that enough. And I say football, I mean like American football, not, not soccer. Um, I don't think I leveraged that enough in my first couple of years. Uh, I wasn't famous by any means, but there was enough people that knew who I was. And I was always kind of shy to not bring that up. And I kind of wish I had now because I didn't realize the power of, 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 of athletics and that kind of that common ground when you live in a town where, you know, the football team is the only thing you have. There's no professional sports team. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, athletics is always a massive one for sure. Uh, and that's such a cool story too. I mean, you grew up in England, right? Where yeah. like not even many of your friends are playing football, I assume. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I had to travel two hours to actually play American yeah. football. Uh, I, yeah, it was, it was all soccer. Um, so right. yeah, I, I grew up playing soccer actually. So that's where I got my footwork from. So I was gonna, yeah, no, so, no, 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 um, no, no, I was, uh, well, I played, I played up until I was about 11 and then um, I was far too big. So you can't tell from uh, behind the, the microphone there, but yeah. I'm 6'5 and about 270 something pounds right now, which is actually down on my weight before. So yeah, when I got to about 16, um, I played up until I was about 11. I got in between 11 and 16, I had my massive growth spurt. And I was uh -huh. like, yeah, I don't think soccer is for me anymore. You can't really carry, you know, 250 oh, pounds yeah. It is. Oh, it's just nuts. So rugby and rugby and, and, and football, like American football, are my thing. But I have to ask you now, man. So if you're a soccer guy, this is a big one. Anyone listening who is uh, who's a soccer fan understands how crazy English soccer is. Do you have a soccer team? That you've got? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, so I'm not huge into soccer, uh, but I have always uh, rooted for Man City, which I know is... is oh, like, no. Yeah. That was the wrong yeah. answer. Anyone who's listening yeah. that understands how soccer is... I'm a, yep. Manchester, I'm a Manchester United fan. You're United? Okay. Yeah, Manchester United and Manchester City go to oil and water. It's just not a great combination. No. But I'll let you get away with it just because you're actually into soccer. <laughs> I was back home in England and a Man City fan pulled up and I was next to them. We're probably blowing a few punches because that's just what we owe our clubs, you know? So. Yeah, that's what you're doing. <laughs> that's crazy. So, no, that, that's great. That's, that, that's, that's awesome stuff there. So, um, as you... As you develop your career and you develop your team and, and kind of where you're wanting to head towards, have you sat down to figure out um, what the next steps are? What are you going to have to put in place, Quentin, to get to where you want to get to? What's the thing you're going to be enacting on this year that's going to help you get to that next step? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. This will either be a good thing or a bad thing, but I have never been that type of person who's like had these like five-year goals and 10-year goals. Like, you know, I want to be comfortable and like this business gives me a ton of energy. And I love that about it. And, you know, as long as I have that and I'm able to find success to me, that's the most important part. You know, I'll say year by year, you know, I get a pretty good perspective of things. Like I think I could turn that 10 mil into 20 mil. Um, but more importantly, I also want to be able to get both, you know, my agents on my team. I want to get them to like 75 rental deals uh, in, in the year of 2022, which will be a big deal for me. That'll set them up really well. Um, so there's that for me. You know, I, I don't have any like big, goals of growing my team to, you know, 10, 15, like, I don't care about that. I'll take it as it comes and I'll adjust when need be. 
Um, but you know, for me, like I, I want to be able to have a successful business. I don't want to grow too fast or anything like that. I want to be able to still provide a great service. And, you know, for me, like, like if I were to tell like a year ago from now, like to me, like the things that I improved on the most were not things that I ever would have been able to predict that, you know, that I've kind of fallen into and figured things out that have been really important. So it's kind of humbled me in a way where like, I'm all about having lofty goals and everything like that, but I, I really try to just take it as it comes. Um, but, you know, I'm going to be in this business for a while. So I have great, you know, big goals for myself, but I don't know what those are going to exactly translate to. So, so you're just kind of flying by the seat of the pants a little bit. And, and I guess I, it's not always a bad thing, I suppose. I mean, if, if you're telling me what you're telling me, that if things have moved faster than even you predicted, you can't really see the way things are going. It's probably, you're probably playing catch up just to make sure that you can be here and now and deal with things in a day-to-day basis. So I guess asking asking the five-year business plan might be a little bit tough as things grow. And that's been right. that's been uh, one of the recurring themes, I think, of, of especially with the other 30 under 30 guys I've spoken to. I think a lot of us have had a lot of, um, not instant success because there's no such thing, but we've had a lot of... Um, very fast and quick success. Um, it's been a very steep trajectory. Um, it's kind of hard. You must feel like playing catch up most days. Don't know about you, but it is for me. I feel like some weeks go by and I wonder if I actually did a good enough job because there's been so much going on, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that someone could sit down and, be, you know, and, and take some of what I just said and be like, but you also need to have these specific parameters in order to, you know, grow, stay in the business and so on and so forth. And that, that very well might be the case. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess I've just seen a lot of people who have had these, you know, really crazy lofty goals. They've overextended themselves, put them in a bad spot. And so, you know, to me, that's, that has influenced me um, where, you know, I'm not, I'm not in any rush. I'm going to be in this business for a very, very long time. Um, you know, I plan on being a top producing agent in the city for a long time and uh, you know, we'll take it as it comes, but yeah, I think this, this year it'll be a lot of, you know, kind of getting things organized in order to grow further. That, that's the biggest thing that, that I, the, the kind of wisdom that I portray each other to agents myself ask me is one of the hardest things I think, and you just touched on this yourself is understanding when it's okay to take a step back for a little bit and put those systems in place. I think as agents, right, we get so, Head up with the day-to-day stuff we often don't take a step back and figure okay what do we need to put in place to kind of feel like we're in control because it's tough right taking a week away from the day-to-day stuff just to sit down and outline that okay this is what we're going to put in for kind of the stop saves the kind of the fail saves yeah. it can be tough you know it can be really tough and, and i struggle with that uh to this day it's just it's really hard to figure out, okay when's a good period of time if there ever is one because like you said man you said earlier we're we're working 24 seven, basically. We're always kind of on call, right? We're always out yeah. there in front of people. It's tough to just step back and be like, okay, this is what we need to do to make sure we're good for the future. For sure. For sure. Right. So, yeah. yeah so I, I, I think we, we covered a lot of, uh, a lot of ground there, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down and, and, and kind of impart some of your wisdom on me and learn a little bit about your market and, and definitely the rental side of stuff too. I, I personally had no idea at all, that you could do pretty well for yourself on the rental side of stuff. So I'll, uh, for, for anyone that is, that is listening, uh, Quentin, that wants to, to reach out to you and, and learn a little bit more about your story or, or, or even referrals too, because that's a big thing um, that we definitely have been providing this network here. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? You're an Instagram guy, email, phone number. How should they do that? Yeah, I'd say probably Instagram. Uh, my yeah, I'm one of those guys who has like two, two Instagram handles because I was nervous uh, when I first got into real estate to just turn my you know personal profile to my one. You know now I wish I wouldn't have done that, but 
whatever. So yeah. it's, it's Quentin, Quentin Green underscore RE. Um, that is my like business one. And then I think it's like Quentin Green underscore is my other one. Um, so that and then, you know, email is great for me. So but you could look up Quentin Green Chicago online and you'll find me have all my contact info. Um, but yeah, any anytime anyone wants to ever reach out, got any questions, referrals, you name it. Happy to always uh, hop on the phone and, and to chat it out. Perfect. Well, if anyone's, you know, listening right now and they stayed on and want to, to make it to, to this far in the podcast, definitely go ahead and give uh, Quentin a follow there. I know that most people that make it to the 30 under 30, um, that's just the beginning for them. And this guy's going to be onto some pretty big stuff. I'm, I'm almost sure of it because the success rate is pretty high. Again, Quentin, thank you for taking the time to meet with me and um, best of luck to you in the future here. And I, I will be keeping up with your Instagram myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. It was a thank, great talk. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one, and I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have, and also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free, but what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, We've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.